sermon number 639. This is the second in the series on the descent of the dove, and it is indicted, entitled The Nests of the Dove. It is preached in the First Presbyterian Church of Bakerstown on Sunday, March 18, 1973. And the passages of Scripture are taken from selection of the Acts of the Apostles, the second chapter. The Acts of the Apostles, various verses from the second chapter. When the day of Pentecost had come, the disciples were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound came from heaven like the rush of a mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributed and resting on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in his own language. And now to the twelfth verse, And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others, mocking, said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these men are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Yea, and on my men servants and my maid servants in those days I will pour out my Spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I shall show wonders in the heaven above, and signs on the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood, before the day of the Lord comes, the great and manifest day. And it shall be that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth. A man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs which God did through him in your midst. This Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. But God raised him up, having loosed the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. And then over to the 36th verse. Let all the house of Israel therefore know assuredly that God has made him both Lord and Christ, 
this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children, and to all that are afar off, every one whom the Lord our God calls to him. And he testified with many other words and exhorted them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about three thousand souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. Amen and amen. Today we continue with sermons addressed on the subject of the Holy Spirit under the general title of the Descent of the Dove. Last week it was our attempt to try to help you to become better acquainted with the person of the Holy Spirit, that third person of the Trinity who is alive well and working today. We tried to show from Scripture that the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, is very much like the second person of the Trinity in that he is like Jesus Christ. We also tried to point out that those who know Jesus Christ will be better equipped to identify and recognize the presence of the Spirit. Also, we tried to point out that the Spirit, though like Jesus Christ, is also like the mysterious wind. Wind which blows, but you cannot tell from whence it has come, nor from where it goes. But you cannot deny its presence in your midst as you see the effect upon nature and upon all the world. The Holy Spirit is like the mysterious wind. Also, it is as inexplainable and uncontrollable as fire. Fire which has the ability to warm that which is cold, illuminate that which is dark, purify that which is impure, and fire which can bring to the mind that is filled with the Spirit a peace that passeth all understanding. We talked about the color of the dove's feathers with the hope that at the conclusion of that sermon some of you would be able to recognize the person of God working in the world today, the Holy Spirit. Now today we go to the second in that series and we talk about the nests of the dove. The hope being that we can try to present the presence of the Holy Spirit and try with the help of Scripture to be able to pinpoint the places where the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is dwelling today. 
Now, as the basis for this sermon, we are using portions of the prophecy of Joel, we are using words of Jesus Christ, and we are using the only written text that we have of that particular account of what happened on a particular holy and holiday in Jerusalem during the first century, a day which we know as Pentecost. Now, Pentecost was not a day that was new and which we read about only in the book of Luke, or Luke's work in Acts, the Acts of the Apostles. No, Pentecost was a Jewish holiday that had been observed centuries before the particular one that we read about here in the second chapter of Acts. It was a day of national celebration. It could be compared much with our American Thanksgiving that we hold every November. On Pentecost, which was usually in June and was always 50 days after the Jewish Passover, the people gathered together from all over the world to worship in Jerusalem's temple and to bring the first fruits of the harvest. Now, it was on that particular day that God chose to reveal unto the world the reality and the totality of the Holy Spirit. We read in Luke Acts that on that particular day of Pentecost that it writes about, there were people in Jerusalem from every nation under heaven, people from all over the world. Now that particular information is very significant. For I feel that is trying to tell us that the Holy Spirit came into the world. You see, the God who made himself known to the world in creating the world and who spoke through the prophets and the patriarchs and the kings is also the God who made himself known in the second person of the Trinity when he revealed himself on Christmas Day in the person of Jesus Christ. And it is our belief that the God who has always been Father, Son, and Holy Spirit did not reveal himself completely unto the world until the day of Pentecost. And on this particular day of Pentecost, 50 days after Jesus was resurrected from the grave, we have the Holy Spirit coming unto the world. Now you see, you can always tell when the Spirit is in the world because of what happened to people who represented the world on that first Pentecost. It says that the people in, who were dwelling in Jerusalem that day were perplexed, were confused, were bewildered. They wondered what was happening with the sound of this noise which showed it the person of the Holy Spirit. These are indications of the Holy Spirit. And these can very well tell the world today that the Holy Spirit is in our midst. Now, I would not want you to believe that 
all noises and confusions and inexplainable things are from the Holy Spirit. No, that would be very foolish, because you and I know, don't we, that some of the confusion and troublesome noises and those particular things which confound us, these are simply caused sometimes by ignorance, by stupidity, Sometimes they are caused by the power of evil and selfishness that is in the world. But may we also remember that sometimes, sometimes these particular phenomenon are also representations of the spirit of holiness. That they are evidences of the dwelling of the Holy Spirit. And I, for one, am an individual who wholeheartedly believes that some of the mysteries, some of the perplexities, some of the things that you don't understand and I don't understand, things not only in the world of the physical but also in the world of the psychological and the sociological the theological and, yes, even the political arena. There are things working there today which show unto us that the Holy Spirit is dwelling and working. Now, I'm sure a lot of you will not agree with that. But I also know that the Spirit of God in Jesus Christ, when it promised just before the death of Jesus that Another spirit would come after Christ left us, the Comforter. He said that the world would not be able to receive the spirit of holiness simply because it would not be able to recognize him because it does not know him and it will not be able, therefore, to see him. And that is why I think many of these things that are going on in the world which are completely in the realm of even the unbelievable, and definitely that which is in the realm of the inexplainable. These are things that God, God happens to be presenting to the world. But we can't see it as being part of God, for we do not always recognize and know and see the presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, God knew that, you see. He knew that at the time of the first Pentecost, and that is why when he, spent, why he sent his Holy Spirit down upon this earth, he regave it to the whole world. As Joel says, he poured it out on all flesh, all flesh, the whole world. But it was recognizable only by a group of people who were assembled in Jerusalem who knew Jesus Christ, who believed in him, and who were waiting for that spirit to come. And there in an upper room, on a back street, in one of the wards of the city of Jerusalem, that Holy Spirit made itself known to a group of people who were to gather together in a fellowship, a fellowship which today we look back upon and call the beginnings of the church. 
these people recognized. They saw because they knew Jesus Christ. The presence of the Holy Spirit as it came and lived within their group. You see, the Holy Spirit is in the church. But we need to define what the church is. I'll never forget that one of the individuals who has done so much to influence my thinking, Dr. John A. Mackay, the President Emeritus of Princeton Theological Seminary, he used to lecture us on this topic many, many times, and I can still hear him in his Scottish brogue telling us, gentlemen and ladies, please never think that wherever there is a church, there is the Spirit of Christ, because that's not always true. Sometimes you will see a church and it is nothing more than a building or a monument to a dead Christ or to an individual who lived in history some time before. Just because there is a church, that does not necessarily mean there is the Spirit. But wherever there is the Spirit, there is the church. That's what those people found on that particular day. You see, the churches and the church. The church is not based upon how large its membership, how beautiful its building, how complicated its program, and how many times its committees meet. But a church is a church if the Holy Spirit dwells within it. And how do you know that the Holy Spirit dwells within a church? You know it the only way that they knew it on that first Pentecost. You know if the Spirit of God dwells within a church by whether or not it attracts people. Whether or not the church attracts people. You see, that, that, that's what happened. You notice when the sound came and the noise was made, the people from all over the nations of the world, they didn't run down to the library to try and investigate what was happening. They didn't even go to the philosophical professors at the university. They didn't go to the mayor's office. They didn't go to try and find out what laws were happening. They went to this fellowship that was on fire and that was contributing noise and were attracted to those few people. And it was to them, this fellowship, that they asked the very important question, what does this mean? The Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of His Holiness, resides within this church not when people come because that's the thing to do, or they come simply because they have no place else to go, but when people out there come in here and are asking us, because of all of the mysteries that are in the world, what does this mean? Then you can be sure the spirit of holiness resides here. There's another way that you can measure whether or not the Holy Spirit is in a church dwelling in that fellowship, and that is by its preaching and its program. You see, Peter stood up to preach, and you know when you read that sermon, it's, it's not an exceptional sermon. If you read it real carefully, you will not find in it any argument why people should go to church. 
You will not find any great concern for social action. You don't find any pitch for money. You find only the presentation of Jesus Christ as Lord and as Savior. You find a message that is based upon Scripture, the prophecies and the Psalms, and which points to the one individual Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Was it not Jesus Christ himself who said, And I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. When a church preaches, not only from its pulpit, but in its total program, Jesus Christ, born, lived, died, was resurrected, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, God's presence with us today, then the Holy Spirit dwells within that particular church. And I might tell you something else, which is an indication of the presence the presence of the Holy Spirit, it's when people mock and make fun of the church. People on the outside, when they look at individuals who are really trying to be instruments filled with the Spirit, when they laugh and mock and call us drunk and crazy and insane and stupid, then you can be pretty sure that the Holy Spirit dwells in the midst. Beware, beware when all men speak well of you. That was Jesus who said that. And the Holy Spirit knows that it is doing his work. When people complain and criticize and mock, Holy Spirit dwells in the world. He dwells in the church. And because the world and the church are made up of people, you have to say he dwells in persons as well. He dwells in you, and he dwells in me. This Spirit, which we cannot define, adequately, which is inexplainable. This spirit dwells within you and it dwells within me. And we can know that the spirit dwells within us when we receive two things. First of all, when we receive conviction. When we are convicted by some particular word, thought, or idea. If you this morning are sitting here and, and saying, as did those people at the first Pentecost, after hearing some of these things and the Bible preached, what shall I do? You can be pretty sure that's the Holy Spirit that is working within you. If you have the ability to have some feeling that something is wrong with your life, that's the Holy Spirit. If if you have the ability to prophesy, that means to be able, whether you are young or old, male or female, to project and see what your life might become if something does not happen to you, or what your life can become if something happens to you, 
that's the Holy Spirit. And if you have the courage, you see, which is the other sign of the Holy Spirit, if you have the courage to be able to take that leap of faith and say, I shall repent, which means I turn around and change not only my thought but my actions, making Jesus my Lord and my Savior my leader. If you have the courage to do that, even that is the Holy Spirit working within you. For as Paul reminds us in his second letter to the Corinthians, no one, no one can even say that Jesus is Lord without the power of the Holy Spirit. If you suddenly get an insatiable desire to try and study the Word of God and to sit under good teaching and try to read your Bible, if you have the desire to be with good people who are filled with the Spirit, if, if you have an attempt to want to pray, that's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is within you and it's working right now. I get a little upset when I hear people saying from time to time, what we need is more of the Spirit. That's not true, ladies and gentlemen. That's not true. There was nothing more of the Holy Spirit on that first day of Pentecost than there is today. We don't need more of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit needs more of us. They say, we've got to wait for the Holy Spirit. No. The Holy Spirit today is waiting for the world, the church, and for you to catch up with him. The Holy Spirit is here, dwelling in the world, in the church, and in you. Amen. Father, make our hearts an altar and make your spirit the fire. We know you are here, Lord. Help us in your spirit to follow your spirit. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the presence of the Holy Spirit be and abide with you all now and forevermore.